Welcome to Sundial. I'm Carlos Frias. Is there a play that speaks to Miami right now better than The Little Mermaid? Okay, maybe the idea of an underwater city isn't why Giancarlo Rodas decided to stage it at the Arts Center. But he is the first person outside Broadway to put on the play based on the Disney musical. As the director, Giancarlo had a vision for The Little Mermaid. The show creatively puts the audience under the sea without spilling a drop of water. It's an immersive experience of light and sound and a cast that floats into the crowd. It runs through the end of the month. Giancarlo is a Miami native and the new artistic director at one of South Florida's best theater companies, Miami's Area Stage. He literally grew up in the theater. His dad founded the company. His parents met there. Giancarlo made theater his life. And he's got the Disney bug. Last year, he coaxed the mouse to give him the right to stage Beauty and the Beast. It won Outstanding Direction from the Carbonell Awards, which is given to top South Florida stage productions. It's a new time for Giancarlo and Area Stage, which lost its longtime home to development in Coral Gables. But now it's staging its big shows at the Arts Center, and Giancarlo is crafting the vision. Giancarlo Rodaz literally crossed the street, and he joins us in studio. Welcome, Giancarlo. Thank you. Thank I, you for having me. I know you appreciate the cool the cool studio, the freezing studio yeah. uh, versus the <laughs> scorching outdoors. Oh, definitely. Mm. I got my hot tea, too. Oh, yeah. No, because Elisa Baena, one of our producers here, she takes care of the guests, man. She Elisa's keeps us, awesome. She keeps us uh, caffeinated and fueled, man. Yeah. Um, so this play, the, the word that I keep hearing about it is immersive, right? Um, this idea of, of how do you create something underwater, having the feel of underwater. And uh, there's a great review by Christine Dolan um, in Artburst that really kind of puts you there. Um, so talk to me about that. Talk to me about what your your idea was for kind of creating this undersea world. Well, I had always, uh, you know, grown up here, growing up here in Florida, I had a huge love of the, of the theme parks and of Disney World. Um, of course and, you did. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm still a pass holder, annual pass holder. Oh, right on. <laughs> and uh, I think that was a huge influence on what I perceive, you know, live entertainment to be because I'd always, you know, seen theater and grown up in theater and my parents had a wonderful, you know, um, wonderful view on, on the art form. But, you know, they, they had raised me in that world of Disney as well. And so with these shows, I think, you know, I think people like to get whisked away into these fantastical worlds. And I think that's why Disney, you know, has such success with the theme parks. And so on that, you know, what, what we're doing now in terms of immersive theater, it's crazy because I went to Disneyland recently and like Walt Disney was doing this like in the 50s with robots. Like he was so ahead of the curve in terms of what live entertainment could be. And so that's why it's so like exciting for me to like pursue that idea of like immersing the audience and not having a divide like you would with a screen, mm -hmm. which I think people are really tired of now, you know, especially after COVID and the pandemic. Yeah, being know? locked indoors for yeah. let, let's get around people, right? Yeah. And it feels like a window almost, you know, yeah. and I think people are really hungry for experiences where you, you yourself are in the middle of something completely, you know, otherworldly and takes you, takes you out of the real world that you're living in. It's fantasy. It's just the world of fantasy. I love bringing that to life. Yeah, and and I love plays in general where where the the cast leaps off the stage or the you know what I mean like the cast yeah. kind of interacts with you. It just it adds that fourth dimension, you know. Yeah, and I think and I think too, you know, uh, you know, 
I, I've been very inspired by like shows I've seen in London and shows I've seen off Broadway. I think more than I've seen shows on Broadway. Um, because like what? Like which which kind of shows? There's a great company called uh, Pigpen that did a production called The Old Man and the Old Moon, and it was like all these you know young guys uh, that were basically telling this huge, massive, epic fairy tale with like nothing, like with some instruments, some pieces of wood and fabric and things. And I that was so good. I went to go see it again the next day. I paid for my, my own ticket and I just went to see it again. Like as a study, like how did they do that? Yeah, whenever I see shows I love, I always do that. I always I think it's the best classroom. It's like just going to see like great artwork done by great artists. And, you know, that really inspired me uh, because they were making magic out of nothing. You know, it really evoked the sense of playing that I think is so unique to theater. And, you know, with this show, you said with actors that jump off the stage, you know, I think... You know, we create an environment where you walk into a set, you walk into a, a world that you forget you're going to see a show. You know, you forget you're even going to see a show. One of my favorite feelings ever is people going walking and going, "Where is the show going to be? Right? Where's oh, the play going to be? You know, that's like great. where the, where the heck is the stage?" And you realize that you're in the stage. That everything around you is a stage. And within that world, we're able to get really creative because I think we've already invited the audience to play. In a way, you know, as soon as you do that and you see adults like smile and they, you know, the playbill is like a treasure map. I've seen I've seen adults like holding it up like a telescope. You know, an old man came in the other day with a a sailor hat and one of the actors was like, welcome, welcome, matey. He goes, arc. (laughs) And (laughs) so great, you know, and everyone's already playing. So they've already bought into this idea of imagination and and playfulness that I think is uh, really important for you know, stepping into a, a world of, of, of Disney's creation, because I think that's what they're about, you know, and be able to invite the audience into that. And they'll, they'll, they'll want to play with anything you do and they'll, they're, they're game for anything. Right. So. I, I always remember the, when they, I saw the, the play once staged here mm-hmm. where, where the, uh, before the show opens, you go up on stage and you can order yeah. a beer at the bar that then becomes yeah. part of the show. And, and nobody gets really kicked off stage. No. They just kind of start the production. Yeah. And then there's there's like that that aspect to it that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. And that that's I loved once. I was I was lucky enough to see the original cast of that on Broadway. Oh come on! Now you're just rubbing it in. <laughs> no, that that was uh you know that was that show's amazing. That show's a really really and you, you and that's something you've seen in recent Broadway shows where you know directors and artists are like flirting with the idea of like wanting to break that barrier. And I've seen shows that do break that barrier. Um, but I think with, you know, with Disney stories, there's something already present there about inviting you to play and to escape and to, for, you know, forget this, the cynicism of adulthood and, you know, just to play again as you as if you were a kid. I think that's really um, I think that's really uh, wonderful about these shows. It's interesting, too, that you got trusted with this property, right? Like the, yeah. like those Disney properties are well defended. Uh, how much freedom did you have to to? reinterpret and and i obviously i never saw the broadway version i don't know how different it is from that but like tell me about the freedom to to create your own vision there well it it is the it is the broadway script and Mm -hmm. that's the whole they they have a version for for licensing that's been reworked and that they're happy with and they 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 uh they had published for for people to do um but you guys were the first to do that well we were the first to do the broadway scripts Mm -hmm. as the broadway okay and so that's and so and that's um you know when I had asked for that, it was a, a pretty, you know, crazy thing. But, you know, what I've learned is that, you know, Walt Disney Theatricals is a really wonderful company, you know, to play with because they're, they're game for anything that excites them. Um, and I think that's a perception people have about 
Disney is like this. It's this big corporate entity um, with that. It's like this impermeable fortress of, of, you know, of, of um, everything's like on tight. Everything's in the Disney vault, I guess you would say. <laughs> you have to pry it out you of it. You have to pry hands. it out of it. No, right. you know, they're very, they're very uh, easygoing. They're all just people. Um, you know, the, the people we've, we've t- spoken to, you know, I've learned that if, you know, if you're an artist and you have an exciting idea and you ask, um, you know they'll say yes, and uh, they're they're com- just completely wonderful to work with. I, I I've I've been you know lucky enough to go up to the offices a few times in New York, and every time it's just like oh this is like just a bunch of chill theater people like <laughs> you know they're just they're all these they're all theater nerds it's, you the- know? it's theater kids in suits now yeah right. literally that's right. literally what it is and so they're just they're game for anything you know they're they're very excited to they're always developing new things they're always you know pushing for. And, you know, they play a worldwide game. You know, it's it's a very, very uh, complicated business they run. And, you know, and, and, it, and it's fueled by all the artists that, that do their shows. And so they have a very big openness to that. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that because they're just so awesome. So talk to me a little bit about kind of like um, in this show in particular, like what 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 were some things that you were able to bring to the table, right, that you were really excited about that said, hey, Disney, I'd like to do this with the show are you cool with that and they kind of said all right yeah let's do that that sounds good yeah the the um for the first thing was beast uh with beauty and the beast i had a really crazy idea of how to do beast and um i think okay i think we need to know what the crazy idea is well well it was to do it immersive it was to stage it on these tables you know we did the show in a grand castle hall and for you know just to picture it it's almost like the great hall from hogwarts this massive wooden hall and a castle with windows and these long tables and people walk in and it just feels like a, a castle dining hall. And it's like, where's the show? Uh, I had pitched that. I had to pitch like a long laundry list of like things. The craziest of which I think was uh, Mrs. Potts singing Beauty and the Beast in French. And I was like, there's a French version. I think it'd be a really cute, cool surprise. And they were like, no, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> they were like, you can't do that. And now looking back, like they were totally right about that. You know, they're, they're always on the money about when they're like, no, that won't work or this doesn't work or you know, like, don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, um, but what were some of the ones of like the Little Mermaid that you that you did here that you're like, oh, I'm really proud of the way that this I, that I think this pops, you know, they they, they had a, in the current version. Uh, probably the, the one of the biggest things was that they had swapped out the opening number as it was in the movie. And in the movie, it starts with a sea shanty. You know, it starts with it's a very gray cloudy opening in the little mermaid it's not very colorful hmm. it's very grounded you have these all these men on a boat singing sea shanties about mermaids and they're like oh mermaids that's fake you know that's that's all nautical nonsense there's nothing real about that and if you're a little kid watching that you're like okay this is like how adults talk about this and then the camera goes underwater and all of a sudden all this color comes in hmm. and i love that it was such a clever once upon a time it's such a beautiful transition from reality into the world of fantasy um and for this show, we start in that it is in a, it, the way we stage it. We start in a tavern. It takes place in what we call the Little Mermaid Tavern. Welcome oh, to the a, Little Mermaid Tavern. Adults can agree. All right, and, we're in a tavern. That's yeah, great. That's yeah, great. <laughs> and there's all these you know sailors everywhere, and it, the idea is that these these are all sailors from across the world that are all sharing stories about myths and mer- mermaids and legends and things. And you know, the opening number, Fathoms Below, you know, is that beautiful transition from like this grounded reality of like rough and tumble sailors and then it sl- and it becomes like a transition into like this beautiful underwater colorful landscape and that's a that, that's that's something that i think i'm really proud of with the show 
there's um you you guys made a I don't know if it's an artistic choice about it, but I, I'm so curious about it. The the role of Ursula is played by a non a person who's non-binary. Yes. But, and I'm I was just uh, Christine mentioned it in her review, and I was so c- captured by it watching yeah. it. And um, I, I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about the the backstory about casting that part, the idea for yeah. that part, because that's that's as much of a of an artistic thought experiment as yeah. as, part, as anything else you would do, right? Yeah, I think yeah. It's it was uh, that was that was something we also had to ask about. Um, you know, uh, we cast Jonathan Chisholm in, in the role, and they do like an amazing job with it. Uh, Jonathan, like like all the cast members, like the cast is crazy. I'm so lucky to have that cast because every single person in that cast is like, oh, you're just that character. You know, when you hang out with them in real life, it's like, oh, you are that character. Like, you're not even like you're just casting people. At any time you have friends, you're like, oh, this person would be good as yeah. Pippin or whatever. Yeah, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan's from New York. Jonathan, we we flew down from New York as well as um, Ariel, Eric, Flounder, and, and Jetsum, one of the eels. Uh, but Jonathan, you know, I had always wanted to do something inspired by drag because Ursula is inspired by Divine, the the drag queen. Oh, really? Is yeah. that the backstory to that, that character? That's the backstory of that character. And, you know, her, her white shock of hair and, you know, the, the, her whole look is inspired by uh, Divine. And, um, you know, and so I look at that and, you know, we have a very playful, you know, young cast. You know, we have a lot of young people playing older characters and that's included with Jonathan. Better that way than the other way, right? Old yeah, it's true. yeah, because they're running around, you know, they're sprinting, they're doing all these really crazy things. That and is the most athletic person, old person, yes. yeah. I've ever seen. They're sprinting across that room, but you know, with Jonathan, Jonathan really, you know, um, can can bring a lot of you know layers to that character. I think that would be tougher uh, for for most people to bring in. Um, I think at their age and and with what their life experience has been, they bring this very interesting texture into the part that just feels like Ursula from the movie. It just feels, you know, without copying, because you don't want to do an impression of the characters from the movie. You know, you want it to be real. You want it to be, like, in the room, like, genuine. People can feel when it's fake. Even if they're not theater people, they know when it's fake. Right. And you know, It's we, interesting. You had to go to Disney, or that was one of the things you ran by Disney. I, yeah, I we, yeah, I, I, you know, I gave a list, and I said, these are the, the things I'm going to do. These are the crazy ideas. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, but to me, they don't feel like crazy ideas. You know, it just feels like, in my head, I'm just like, you know, this is uh, how I want to do it. And, and uh, you know, we have a very amazing team of people that are all just game for like the biggest challenge to do. You know, I love I love going the craziest route possible to stage something or, you know, the most like give me the most difficult thing to stage and I want to like problem solve that. And, you know, it's only possible when you surround yourself with great people and, and, and Jonathan really does that with that part um, because I, to be honest, I like didn't, we didn't really give like much direction to Jonathan. <laughs> uh, like your Ursula go. Yes. It's like, okay, great. Your Ursula, you go here, here, here. It was like, that was the vibe, you know? And they, they just knew what to do. So yeah, it's, 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 it's very, it's very rare and a privilege that you get to work with actors like that and, and team members like that. Well, that instinct for who is be, would be great for a part and knowing, kind of like being able to see that part play out is something that you, I imagine you have to develop, right? This is something that you have to um, develop in your own life to feel comfortable with when you start directing. So I want to ask you about that because that ties into kind of your growing up, your this entire life in theater. But first, we have to take a little break. Wonderful. I know my grandma's listening right now. Oh, your grandma is listening. Yeah. Shout out to grandma who's listening to our guest today, Giancarlo Rodas. 
He's the artistic director of Area Stage Company in Miami. And you can see their production of Disney's The Little Mermaid at the Art Center through August 27th. As you can tell, we're having a pretty good time, even during the breaks. And honestly, you're doing great. Don't be nervous. You're doing fantastic. And uh, we're, we're going to have to shout out the uh, actors here because yeah. because Jonathan Chisholm got a, got a nice shout out you know, for his portrayal of, of Ursula. Yeah. Uh, shout out some other ones. What are some of the actors that, I mean, you're, you're clearly blown away by some of these guys. Yeah. But let's start. So shout out some of those actors and then talk to me about the character that you saw growing up in that play, or in that either the play or the movie that really caught your attention. I think, um, I, I mean, it's... it's um, what do I say to that? I think for me, it's like Ariel. Definitely, that was. There's no show without Ariel, right? You know, and that's not to discredit any of the work anyone else does in the show. But who, she's pl- who plays Ariel? Mermaid. That's Jocelyn Shaw. She's okay. from uh, she's from up in New York, and you know, I saw. I must have gone through like 600 people. Wow. To find an wow. Ariel, and there were a lot of amazing actresses that came through. You know, so many amazing, amazing actresses. But like, it was just like I was very picky, like about who that was, because I think. You know, there's there there are qualities to each Disney princess that are so spe- specific and very, you know, people know these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I remember when I was five, my parents brought like a Spider-Man to my birthday party. I was like, "That's not Spider-Man!" Like, it's, it's like he's he's wearing Adidas shoes. Yeah, That's literally. Not... Yeah, you know, <laughs> like it was just something like that where kids know. Like, yeah. you cannot get anything past kids and so you were casting almost for the kids like to keep that keep yeah. that image right like of course and i mean you're, casting, us, you're right? casting for everybody because mm. you know people can tell people can tell and i think jocelyn without a doubt you know is is ariel I'm like that girl's ariel like that girl's just like she is ariel and you know that's something i feel like i wouldn't say people take for granted when watching a show like that but it's like it's just like the quality she has for that part. I would say the uh, definitely, and, and the same for Eric, you know, and their, their romance is the whole point of the story. And like, you believe them. Who's you know, the actor? Who's the actor? That's a, I keep calling, I call him Eric by accent all the time. It's uh, a <laughs> Henry. Um, oh my God. Why am I, he's going to kill me. <laughs> Henry. Uh, but that's such a, that's such a compliment. That's yeah. such a compliment. No, seriously. You're lost in the character that you just, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that this is just Henry Eric. Thrasher. Is, I don't know why he's the most memorable last name on planet earth. But uh, yeah, Henry Thrasher, the two of them. I was I would give another shout out to uh, our, our flounder, uh, Hallie. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna start going down a list of actors. I should. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just read that as part of the credits. Yeah, yeah, time. all the credits. Annette, Annette is doing an amazing job as Scuttle. She puppeteers. We, we, I was very lucky to collaborate with a company called Phantom Limb that I grew up loving. They're a, comp- a puppet company from New York, and uh, I've been following them for years. And I was just obsessed with their work and from a distance. And for this show, I called them up and said, I would love to do a, a puppet for the bird. And they they delivered on it. And they made oh, this beautiful, gorgeous puppet. And um, Annette has done an amazing job. Well, um, it, it sounds like you have, I mean, to, to have this connection to these, like even puppetry shows and things mm-hmm. like that, like that comes to a whole lifetime in theater. Right? Yeah. Um, so your dad founded the theater company. Shout yeah. out to dad. What's yes, his name? John Rodas. <laughs> Shout out to John, who, yeah. me, who then used an entire theater company just so he could meet your mom, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's the biggest flex you can do. You right. Know? I mean, that's why we go into the arts, right? Is to, is to hit above our hit above our league, yeah. right? <laughs> so, Definitely. So you, they met literally in the theater and your life was in it, right? Tell me about growing up when your folks own a theater company. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I wasn't very uh, keen on theater when I was a little boy. I mean, I just, it was something I just took as part of my life. Uh, when I was little, I didn't really, like, like theater. 
like as much. I really saw the first show I ever saw that I like really, really was into. I saw the original cast of Spam a lot on Broadway, mm. which is going back on Broadway soon. I love that show. Um, when I was like 14, I was like, I don't want to go see that. They were like, shut up. So you know, it wasn't until you were 14 it. that you were really... It was like 13. No, I must wow. have been like 12. I must have been like 12. And that's when they had opened a conservatory for young actors for, you know, uh, it was just like a, a student actor program for with Area Stage. With, with Area Stage. Yeah, with Area Stage. And they were, you know, I was going to spend my summer playing Xbox and, you know, Nintendo and stuff. And they were like, you should come to this. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to. Nah. I don't really have an interest. Call of you know? Duty, though. Yeah. And right. then, um, and... And they're like, no, you're coming to this. And like, they basically forced me to go. That was like one of the best things they could have ever done for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, if you have a kid that you know wants to stay home and just staring at screens, force them to do something else, even if they don't want to. It's going to be so much better for them. It changed my life. And I was like, I didn't want to leave after that. And I just slowly got more and more involved. You're so. the you're the baby of the family. There, you have Man. other other brothers and sisters. Yep, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. Um, uh, the you know I got like two marine. Two brothers that are Marines. My sister's a lawyer. My other sister's a stay-at-home mom and like sings in a band. It's kind of like an obladi obada. Oh, that's the Beatles. that's so funny. Yeah, and um, and then there's me, and I I was the the youngest and the one who's still into theater. But that like that trip to New York to see Spam a lot, things like that. Is that something your parents did a lot? Like, did you guys travel for theater? We traveled for work for theater, and mm. I remember they were doing auditions for something up in New York, and they were like, "Go see the show." They were like, "Go see the show," and I. And at the time, like, they, we couldn't all afford to go see a Broadway show, so they would just send me and my sister. You know, they were like, we're fine. You guys go see it, you know? And, and um, it was really, you know, trans transformational to, to go see stuff like that because it's just like when you see the peak, very, very peak of, like, what theater can be, it's just like, whoa. Yeah. It's like that, like, shook me up, and I, like, re remember this moment for the rest of my life. It's kind of like seeing sports on TV versus sitting up close to a game. Yeah. Or, or watching a world-class sprinter go by in yeah. under 10 seconds. And You were there, yeah. you know. And it's and it's crazy. One thing that's crazy about theater is that they do it hundreds of times, you know, uh, uh, a year. But, but when you're there, it feels like that was the one time it happened. Right. Like they were doing it just for you. Yeah. And they are doing it just for you. And that's what's so remarkable, you know. And I feel like, you know... I'm also very grateful because in, in an age of AI coming for all our jobs, I feel like theater is really, you can't really, I'm sure they'll figure out some way one day, but you can't really, as far as I know, replace that experience of being with a human being in person yeah. doing storytelling. Like that's just, that's, we've been doing that since the beginning of humanity and we're still doing it and it's not replaceable really. Yeah. So I imagine what was that like for you? Like when you start talking to your parents, thinking uh, you know talking about making theater a career for you because obviously it's their whole that's their livelihood and they finally had on the fifth kid they finally got the one that <laughs> that was like yeah i'd like to maybe continue doing this and and take it to another level too in the yeah way. this uh i remember well i did uh the first show i did was fiddler on the roof and i was a model i was the little tailor that falls in love with zydel and after that show we were doing sweeney todd Mm. And, you know, I was like this scrawny little like 13-year-old. Which is having a revival on, on Broadway yes, now. Yes, which is having a revival right now. And um, I, I, 
they were doing Sweeney Todd after that with the students. And I walked into my parents' room. I was like, you know what? I want to try for Sweeney Todd. My parents looked at each other and went, <laughs> no, you're not Sweeney Todd, John John. You're not Sweeney Todd. That's not that's not who you are, <laughs> like as an actor. And I was like, oh. Were they right? Yeah, they're right. <laughs> Would you want to see this face as, as Sweeney Todd? This little, you know, this little. Uh, I mean, you got a Johnny Depp vibe. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and he did I it memorably. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, you know, on stage, I'm not Sweeney Todd. And that, you know, but that, that, te- that taught me a lot, too. You know, they never really gave me anything and even to this day you know i'm really grateful for them because they they they're they're like the hardest on me when it comes in in the best way possible because they saw that you they're like oh this kid has an interest yeah to get him to the level where he needs to be we need to develop that taste yeah and so they they never made it easy for me which is in fact i think in some ways they made it harder for me than it would have been if i (laughs) but like in a way that's good you know and i i've i really found a value in surrounding myself with people um that constantly telling you that's great but you could probably could have done better if you like worked this much harder and it's like damn it's like they're right it's like they're totally right you know and it's especially like with shows like this, where it seems like everybody loves it, you know, and and every time I open a show, I'm convinced it's the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> every time I open a show, I'm just like, this, no, this, no, 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 this is the worst show I've ever put up in my life. Well, th- I mean, that's the nature of imposter syndrome, which yeah. everybody suffers to it yeah. by some degree, right? Yeah. But that's also when you put yourself out there. If you know if yeah. you do something that's already done and safe, yeah. then you don't have to worry. But you only have that worry when you... When you kind of take your own licenses, and yeah, spins, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I think you know my parents are always pushing me to to go as far as I can in terms of making it a unique experience. You know, making it um, you know something that is unparalleled, not seen before, or something else. You know, even when I when I do things and I'm like, okay, no wait, this is a great. This is like you know, once I settle into a show, I'm like, this is actually like really cool what, what we did here. And, you know, my, my father is always the first one to be like, yeah, but like you copped that with this. And like, I saw that you wanted to do this and you ended up not doing it. Or like, you didn't really direct the scene as strongly as the others. And I'm just like, damn it. Like, he's right. Oh, he's wow. totally right. But it's, but he's right. You know, he's right. And like, why stop? You know, why stop? I think the moment you stop thinking that way as an artist, you're dead. Yeah. You know, you're artistically dead. Cause then what's the point? You know, like, what's the point of of you stop challenging yourself and my girlfriend's that way too my girlfriend's learned to be that way too where we'll be in rehearsal be like wasn't that cool today she goes yeah but your other idea was cooler it's oh, like that's damn so funny you know and it's just like it's like ouch but like they're right you know is she right. in the theater also yeah she is. she's in the show she's in the show she's um she's one of the Mer sisters okay look you out know? for the Mer sisters yeah <laughs> what's her name Ka- right? katie doer katie doer katie doer yeah so talk to me about then that idea because it's that's so unique to have someone who's both a mentor you know your parents yeah. your, your dad you mentioned yeah. a mentor but also your dad right yeah. so you you guys must have gotten to the point where you were able to separate but i imagine it wasn't easy to get there but no we don't separate <laughs> no <laughs> that doesn't really happen you know life is uh you know life is always more messy and complicated than you anticipate but you know i wouldn't change my relationship with my parents for, for anything in the world yeah you know i think uh you know obviously you have moments where you argue and moments where you you know where you disagree because there's also times where my i'll argue something about an idea and my dad says the opposite and then he ends up being right and then sometimes I'll argue my point and then he's like okay you were right on that and I said no to that um but it's it's just like anything else but I'd rather it be my dad you know because I think no matter what happens we know that at the end of the day we have each other's best interests in mind no matter what happens right and same with my mom you know my mom my mom comes down even harder (laughs) my mom's got that 
South American kick in her where she's <laughs> she does not care. She'll like come down. And and again, I'm so grateful for it because um you know, there's I feel like there's going to always be people who want to like you know, go easier on you or pat you on the back or get on your good side and my parents have no interest in that. They have no interest in that. And that's great. You know, you need people in your life who have no interest in stroking your ego or patting you on the back. So uh, tell me about your parents' background. You mentioned your mom. She's got a South American streak to her. Where, <laughs> yeah. What are their backgrounds? She's from Ecuador. Okay. My mother's from Ecuador. Uh, my father's from Cuba. Uh, they both came here when my father, when he was like a baby, and my mother came here when she was, I believe, around a teenager. She had been back and forth, I believe. And um, they both came here and they wanted a, a career in the arts. <laughs> and uh, they both were lucky enough to pursue that at a young age in their formative years. And... Um, you know, they, my dad studied under a lot of amazing artists, you know, he's gone to great universities. Um, same with my mother, my mother went to Columbia and, and, you know, had a strong upbringing in the arts and they're both very, like, I look at my career versus theirs and they're at this age. I'm just like, damn, like I'm trying to keep up, trying to keep up. I, I think you're yeah. doing okay. I, you're, okay. You have a show at the arts. I, I think you're doing fine. I hope so. <laughs> hey, was there, I mean, your parents obviously came here because they were looking for a career in the arts. Was there a part of you that even though you've had this support system to, to create here that says, you know, like so many kids that grew up in a place, I want to run off to New York or I want to go to yeah. XYZ. What what was your experience like? Well, I've seen a lot of stuff in New York. I didn't go to college. I never studied theater, really. I was homeschooled for high school because that's when I started really getting involved with the theater. I was like, mm. I'll just, you know, become homeschooled because I really hated school as a kid. I hated it. Oh my God, I hated school so much. What about it? I just, it's so, it's very structured um, I'm not that kind of person at all. Um, Were you the kid that ran around in class? What was like? What was the I epitome of you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Pace theater. I was the no. failure. No, but no, I did well at elementary school. But as I got older, I I started like reading more about like school alternative. It's just it's very structured. It's very um, you know. It, I saw a great uh, uh, analogy where it's like school is like learning how to c- climb a tree, but then some. But you have a variety of animals that are taking that class. Some are sharks. Some are some are apes, some are lizards, and it's like some of them are just like this is not like <laughs> this is not for me. Like it's designed for tree it's climbing. It's not exactly. It's right. not designed for. It's not designed for me. Right. And so it's it's designed for as many people as possible, but it's not really designed for me. And that's that's something I feel very strongly about too. And um, that's uh, that's an important thing for your your parents must have recognized to see you in both as a creative person, but also just as a person. To say like yeah. this is what this is what this of five kids this is what this one needs. Yeah, and you know, and uh, you know, but they were yeah they they were always very honest with me. They always they were great parents. I mean, they were <laughs> <laughs> Freudian slip. No, they're great parents, and uh, you know they've they've always uh, encouraged my growth. I think in the in the best ways that they they saw that they could, and they at the end of the day, I think they always you know tried their hardest to to try to support me in the ways they that they thought I needed and I'm eternally grateful for that and I think they were like a master class in parenting for how I want to raise my kids and uh, and uh, you know and in general I, I I try to talk as much as I can about that too because I'm, I'm very passionate because I think a lot of artists get lost in the kerfuffle of you know schools right I mean your use of the word kerfuffle means you clearly didn't miss oh, out yeah. on a great high school education. <laughs> yeah. And so so tell me about that first moment. I mean not that first moment, but some of those moments where you're, you know, you're in that you're you're in high school and you're creating. Was there a moment where like everybody looked around the room, you and your parents, parents to you actors and you're like, "Oh, this is what my career is going to be." Um 
No, I had no idea. Hmm. I had no idea. It was part where I wanted to be an animator. I wanted I I I play music. I used to play a lot of music. I actually got had a moment where I would play a lot of music on the street. Like once a day, I'd make like two hundred dollars a day busking out on the street. What kind of what what was your instrument? Uh, but guitar. I love okay. folk music. I love I love the sixties. I love all that stuff. And I was really into like making music like that and like playing music. Uh, I'd ba- well, you, well, you've been on the show with uh, with Michael Stock yeah, at some was, point, right? Yeah, Michael I wrote. A, was I was our... writing. I'm still writing a musical uh, about about the '60s and about that that era of music. But you know, I think that's why I ended up being a director because I really have a a, a love for personally a love for like all the different things that go into art. And I realized that growing up, you really have to choose one. And I was like, oh, but I can't choose. I'll just I'll just like oversee. <laughs> I'll just like oversee and like guide artists because I, I love all the different art forms. I love the visual arts. I love music. I love everything. And so I really, I think the right choice for me was just all of the above. And that's what, kind of what directing is. Where, where were you busking and what were you playing? Like at Sunset and like Coconut Grove. Uh, I would bring out my guitar and I'd play for like three or four hours just singing straight. I had like a set list. Um, and I really, uh, I love that. I wish I can go back to that, but that requires, a, I tried doing it like a few years ago again. I was like, Ooh, look, this requires practice. <laughs> like, this requires, <laughs> like, I need to get back into that. Our guest today is Giancarlo Rodas. He grew up in the theater and is now the artistic director of area stage company in Miami. And you can see his production of Disney's the little mermaid at the art center through August 27th. And this time he knew not to talk through the break, which is great. <laughs> that was on me, though. That was on me. But, like, so tell me about this. So you've had this really, I mean, you you direct two Disney shows, and they're both at the Arsht, and they both get this really great acclaim. And it's um, it's a big moment for the Area Stage, too, because I'll say, like, one of my daughters played one of the student productions at Area Stage. She was the Mad Hatter, Catalina Frias, shout out. Oh, my God. And so that was when you Oh, got- my God, I see it. Oh my god! You see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So she was. She played the Mad Hatter, and at this, at this little, at the, at the, this yeah. place that had been forever that was, on US. That was 1. the set with like the paintings on the wall and the big door in the middle. Or was yeah, that, I think. It's, or I think was that the right. Asylum one? Because I directed both of those. Oh, that's so. Oh my god, that's so funny. I forget the exact details of it. Oh, yeah. but I just remember her and her get up. I'll have to find that picture later. Oh my god! But I remember it was, I had, like we because of that we had such an affinity for that one location. But that yeah. got. That got raised for development, yeah. right? Yeah. So that must have been like a real turning point, like when you're you're used to a space, and then all of a sudden you're now creating a new spaces. Yeah. So tell me about like what's ahead for Area Stage after that. Um, you know, we're we're uh, I'm very grateful for all the success of the show. Um, you know, it, it I think for us it, it it opens the door up to work with you know really great artists and. Um, at other companies um, like Phantom Limb that created the puppet for mm-hmm. for Scuttle, I I I love that. I love collaborating with other companies, um, and the Arch has been really wonderful uh, to us. It's a, it's a really fun space to do things. The Carnival Studio Theater is a gorgeous room. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful room. Yeah, I love that room. It's it's there's not a lot of spaces like that in the country. I no. think, and the Arch is one of the biggest performing arts centers in the country. I, I believe so. You know, to be able to do stuff there is like a dream because you get to do like these. Disney dark ride scale, you know, shows that really are capable of immersing you. Um, you know, we, we're in the future. We're doing, I had asked, this is not Disney, but I had asked um, the rights holders of the Adams family to do a uh, immersive staging of that show. Oh, okay. And I gave my crazy list and they had called me and they said, you did that Beauty and the Beast, right? And like some of the writers know you and oh, your company. Wow. 
And I was like, oh, I was like, cool. They were like, this sounds really cool. Go ahead. Oh, wow. So they gave you the go ahead to do that show. Yeah. And so we have a really exciting, we have such a cool version of the Adams Family coming up where you get to walk into their house. And oh man, I'm in. I'm it's, in. It's so I'm very very excited about that. I'm I love I love worlds like that and characters that like you grew up with and like to be able to work with those characters in that capacity is like so cool. So I'm very very excited. Shout out to Theatrical Rights Worldwide for that one because they gave us the go ahead on that. So there there's like this double edged sword then to kind of losing this longtime home that yeah. you guys had you know on US one, um, and the fact that now you get to stage these these bigger productions more elaborate productions in a more elaborate space yeah. like the Riviera the Riviera was you know a beautiful space and we you know my mother especially was very sad to see it go she loved that space and yeah. you know I grew up there it was like my it's like my home for a while and um but honestly I think the best thing that could have happened for us was the tearing down of that building wow it's like you have to tear off the band-aid to, you kind of have to tear grow. off the band-aid because right. yeah it allowed us to grow it, it pushes out on the street and we got out of our comfort zone and we started doing i don't think we would be doing what we're doing now if that place hadn't been torn down wow i think i think the best moments for for artists are when tough things happen it also you know the covid in the in the in the quarantine was terrible but and you know losing our home was terrible but when they happened together it was like okay we're shut down anyways so if there was ever a time to lose this home, it was like when people had to shut down anyway. They couldn't come anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was like, okay, we can use this as a transitionary period. And we, my parents, what they're really skilled at and what I've learned from them is, you know, you have to be able to adapt. You know, you can't get comfortable and um, they're really good at just adapting. You really can't. <laughs> an area stage is like a weed that you can't like stamp out <laughs> you know it's true because you know even if you have like no money even if there's the, the money runs dry even when you know you lose your home even when these things happen there that forces you to get creative with what you do and and keep things going tell, tell me yeah. about that like in what ways did you see that even growing up and now i mean obviously they're still very much involved in the company Tell me about the ways that you saw them that was really like, wow, they really made lemonade out of lemons on that one. Yeah, I mean, when they lost, uh, you know, they were huge on Miami Beach. That's where they got their start on Lincoln Road. And they had all this acclaim there, you know, doing very different shows that I do. My parent, my, my dad loves like Harold Pinter and David Mamet and like these intense dramas with like three actors. Waiting and for Godot. Yeah, it's just yeah. like these intense plays. And uh, and I love that. I love that theater. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm like that's far away from that. I love like musicals and, uh, and, but it's, it's, you know, they, they lost that home and they, they had to spend years like freelancing and taking the company to different places until they, they landed, they were able to score the Riviera theater with the help of some friends of theirs, um, and just good recommendations. Um, and I think ultimately it all comes down to you know, the work that they do. Yeah. I think the work that my parents do is they always just go for like what is the what is the best for the show what is going to be the best thing for the show how do we make the show the best and you know I feel like that excites people and that always has people in the Miami community you know and this community is so supportive and so awesome and I just had something the other day where I need to help with and all the other artistic directors in South Florida were like jumping in help me out and it's a really great community that way and um well it must have, it must have been really important for you to watch your parents 
kind of inventar as the yeah. the key ones right? to invent. Uh, yeah. I, and it's funny you have you have two brothers who are Marines, right? Isn't their whole thing like uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, isn't that's that what their... it is. That's what it is. You know, someone at some point asked me like, "What do you think about like the budget cuts for for theater?" And I was like, I'm excited to see what comes from that, you know, because like they won't stop making things. They yeah, just I ha- guess we'll stop making theater then. No, yeah, no, you right. can't. You know, they just it transforms what you do. It transforms what you do. And so I think that's stuff like that, you know, is what keeps area stage on its toes. And I think that's what has helped my parents, you know, get into this place now, because, you know, like I said, it's like a weed, you know, like people try to kill it or like not people, but like the world tries to like stamp it out you know, all of a sudden there's a recession, you know, they, they had, they had brought up the, the Riviera theater and they had cultivated that audience when there, there was the, the recession hmm. in 2000, I think 2008, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, kind of like right now, you know, like right now it's like, it's a really crazy financial world we're living in. Right. And, um, you know, and it's, it's a lot of companies are struggling and it really sucks for theater companies. But I think right now you're going to see a reinvention of what theater is. And so that's, it's a really, I think, you know, it's a, it's a tough time, but tough times lead to strong people. And I think that's what's really exciting about seeing the next wave of theater coming up. Uh, talk to me about some, some ways in, that you've seen that even outside your company. What's, what's been, I don't know, happening in theater in the last year or two, especially since coming out of COVID. And like you said, there's yeah. this talk about the, always this impending recession, you know? Yeah. Um, what have you seen from different theater companies where you're like, oh, that's a creative turn or, you know, have you seen uh, or even a particular yeah. particular productions where you're like, oh, what an interesting way to do X, Y, Z. Oh, whatever. my God. I saw one of my favorite things I saw recently uh, is the Lehman Trilogy. Gable Stage is doing that play. OK. Uh, Barry Newport picked that play. They're doing that soon. But I, I saw that production in New York and it was like this epic retelling of the Lehman Brothers of this these Jewish immigrants that came and they opened a bank and it's empire that grew from them. And it was three actors for three and a half hours. They were playing like 50 parts. They were like narrating the story. And it was all in the office of the Lehman Brothers. It was wow. like this modern office. And they one, went, one set, three actors yeah. playing like 50 parts. And I was going in being like, okay, this might be, this is going to be like some stuffy play because the lighting was like very cold. And, you know, but it was one of the most inventive, playful, um, you know, things I actually cried when I saw the first act because I was like, Oh my God, like this is such, so beautifully directed. This is so beautifully done. Um, can you ever put your finger on it when, when you're moved to tears of what it is was in that case, was it the music? Was it the acting? Was it the words? Was it a mix of it? all? It's everything. I mean, there's, I think there's, there's a great quote by a Disney Imagineer actually, who I admire named Joe Rohde. And he probably designed some of your favorite Disney world attractions. If you've been to Disney world, uh, where he talks about, you know, people talk about why things can't just be fun. You know, why can't things just be fun? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't things just be fun? And and he said, well, fun's cheap. You know, fun is, you know, getting drunk with your friends. Fun is, you know, an inflatable pool in your backyard with your kids. Like, that's fun. Yeah. But then there is something else. And he used, and it was interesting about his analogy, or his, not his analogy, but his, what he was talking about is that he compared, he put Broadway shows and theme park attractions in the same category hmm. as this larger-than-life experience that plunges you into a world where every, it's not about fun. It's about every element of art and what is happening in the storytelling coming together to utterly transport you in a way that can't be done in a very simple or fun way. It's not fun. It's, it's, it's something deeply profound that I think... Um, people are hungry for and people know when they find it. Uh, There's a, a deliberateness. 
to yeah. these things. Like I'm thinking of like a Cirque du Soleil play we yeah. saw across the street here uh, was Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And like the guys climbing up like 10 chairs stacked on top of one yeah. another. That's not just fun by accident. Like no. there is something about watching a spectacle yeah. that is that is is genius. Yeah. And right? that's hard. Yeah. That's really hard to do. You know, and I think, you know, also you see right now theaters are struggling, you know, to, to fill houses on Broadway. A lot of shows are closing. And, you know, and I think what that signals to me is that as as artists, like we all have to strive for for better. We have to strive for more because I think people no matter where you are on Earth, what time period, I think people are hungry for that and they know it when they see it. And I, I it excites me that we have an audience that doesn't settle for less, you know, and I think that's that's the most exciting thing that can that can happen because it really pushes us all to, you know, why am I going to spend one hundred dollars to go see something? For two hours when I can just stay at home and watch Netflix. Right. You know, like why? Give me a good reason. Like, why spend that money? Don't you know? give me another version of a screen. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, why? Why should? Ser- like, seriously, why should I go see a show? Like, there's really no good reason. And once you learn that, I think it excites you because then you really want to make something that's like that pushes you beyond what you're comfortable with, and to do something like what Joe Rody was talking about, where it's like. You have to like really push yourself to take something from f- just fun, a fun night out, mm-hmm. to something that people walk away and go, "I'm not going to forget that." And that's what you know with the, the artists I work with, and you know, and I think with the, the the theater scene right now, especially in Miami, I think you see a lot of that, and it's very it's it's exciting. You know, I think the more you have to fight to get the audience to come in, the more exciting the work is. Because the the creators understand yeah. that we have a higher threshold. Yeah, and I get tons of audience members coming to say like, oh, you know, like husbands that were dragged by like their, their wives <laughs> to go see this, you know, the show. They were like, I thought this was going to be some kid show. And like, I was like taken aback by it, you know, and it was just like, it, that's one of the most exciting things here. It's like, I want to hear that you didn't want to come. You know, like I like hearing that because that's really exciting for me that we were able to flip that script and all of a sudden you have, a you have, you know, you love this story because this story is amazing you know it's not marketing that keeps disney brand going you know people try to market certain things and they don't work because people don't like the property you know that across the world with different things but little mermaid is i think a gorgeous film i think the characters tap into to a very sweet sincere place um that really people connect with in a very real way i think that movie profoundly um it's just the very simple hour 15 movie that's fun and colorful, but it's not just fun. It's something that I think it's a fairy tale that taps into people, taps into children's imaginations. Adults love it, and I think that's what you know we're trying to honor when we when we do this show. It's like I want to make something that honors that film because that film is responsible for an empire. <laughs> right. Well, I I think of Lin-Manuel Miranda who said yeah. that like that movie was responsible for getting him to want to write musicals mm-hmm. and what have you and, 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 and to eventually write a Disney movie which he did yeah. and, which, and they and, did yeah and, and Encanto I, was amazing yeah Encanto I would love to do an Encanto musical that'd be really fun oh I think you that, just put it out into the universe yeah. right now I think that that show's like built for a musical I think you know small cast of characters it takes place in one place you know I would love to do an immersive you walk into the the Casa Madrigal you know I would love to do that but I think you know but anyways it's a different tangent <laughs> but you know but you know there's something about those stories that are so they're not just like kids' films, and I think that was the beauty of Walt Disney was trying to capture is that tapping into these old fairy tales that, and creating new ones that just tap into something deep within everybody. It's not for kids. 
it's for everybody and that's you know the magic of it you know i watch an old movie like sleeping beauty and my jaw drops that movies i forget how gorgeous that movie is and how to have ahead of its time it was and you know and the fact that it holds up today is like crazy to me and that it'll hold up it seems like forever you know stuff like that really is inspirational and why i love working with the disney properties because you get to work with that material it's 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 awesome well, Giancarlo, I hope that folks in the next uh, through August 27 can come in and be surprised. Thank you so much for Thank spending you. some time with us. Thank you so much, Carlos. You're awesome. Our guest today was Giancarlo Rodas. He's the artistic director of Area Stage Company in Miami, and you can see their production of Disney's The Little Mermaid at the Arts Center through August 27th. And that's Sundown for Wednesday, August 23rd. Leslie Ovai Atkinson is our lead producer. Elisa Baena is our producer and social media editor. Sergio Bustos is WLRN's VP of News, and Katie Munoz is our Director of Live Programming. Peter J. Meritz is WLRN's VP of Radio. Richard Ives is our engineer. Our theme music is by the Miami Afro-Cuban funk band Palo at gopalo.com. You can download a podcast of this program. Just search for WLRN Sundial on your podcast app. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the author of The Cuban Table joins us, that cookbook that you probably have in your kitchen. Cuban-American writer Ana Sofia Pelaez talks with me about why cooking is so sacred and she talks about her new advocacy projects. I'm Carlos Frias, good vibes only. WLRN Public Media.